Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. Babies killing babies. It's a crime you don't hear about often. So when it does happen, it leaves you with that horrible pit in your stomach. On February 12, 1993, a two-year-old boy lost his life at the hands of two 10-year-old boys. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On February 12, 1993, CCTV in Boodle, England caught the sight of two 10-year-old boys wandering through the New Strand Center, looking at other children pass by. Robert Thompson and John Venables spent their day truant from school, stealing small items from stores like a troll doll, batteries, and a can of blue paint, all while looking for the perfect target. And that's exactly what they found when they passed two-year-old James Patrick Bolger, shopping with his mother. While she was distracted in a butcher's shop on the lower level of the center, the boys approached James, 
took him by the hand, and simply led him away from the shopping center. Between witnesses, CCTV, and later testimony, their actions were pretty well documented. The boys led James about a quarter of a mile away before dropping him on his head and causing a serious injury to his face. Eyewitnesses saw the young boy crying while with the older boys near the Leeds and Liverpool Canal. In fact, about 38 people saw the three boys walking towards the canal, and none intervened. Two did question Robert and John, but they simply said that James was their younger brother, or that he was lost and they were taking him to the police station. They eventually made their way to the village of Walton, led him to a railway line, and began their torture. The paint they stole earlier in the day was now being thrown into the boys' eyes. They kicked, stamped, threw bricks, and beat the little boy. At some point, they took the stolen batteries and put them into James's mouth and anus. And finally, they ended the torture by dropping a 22-pound iron bar onto James Bulger. James suffered from 42 injuries, including 10 skull fractures from the iron bar. So many that none could be determined to be the fatal blow. John Venables and Robert Thompson then laid the body across the railway tracks, weighted him down with rubble, and left him there hoping a train would run him over and the death would be labeled as a terrible accident. Two days after James Bulger disappeared from his mother's grasp, his body was found 2.5 miles away, having been severed from the passing train. It wasn't long before video images of the killers were broadcast in hopes of identification. A woman recognized John and knew he and Robert were missing from school the day of the murder. They called the police, and the boys were arrested. Bruising on James Bulger's face matched the markings on the bottom of Robert Thompson's shoes, and the blue paint thrown on the boy's face was matched to a mark on John Venable's shoes. Other forensic testing was done, and soon there was no doubt that these were the killers. At one point, during questioning, Robert Thompson asked the police if the boy had been taken to the hospital to, quote, get him alive again. Both boys were charged with James Bulger's murder on February 20th, 1993. News of their trial quickly spread like wildfire. They were children. How could children not just murder a young boy, but do it in such a sadistic manner? Originally, their identities were withheld for not just their safety, but the safety of their families. But what the public did know was that two 10-year-olds were being charged as adults. They both had to sit on raised chairs so they could see. Though the boys remained silent during their trial, CCTV did all the talking. More than 20 hours of footage of the boys' police interviews were played in court, and the pathologist spent 33 minutes describing all of the injuries James Bulger suffered from. On November 24, 1993, at age 11, Robert Thompson and John Venables were both found guilty, making them the youngest convicted murderers of the 20th century. They were sentenced to be detained at Her Majesty's Pleasure, a legal term referring to an undetermined length of a sentence, with a minimum of eight years. While imprisoned at an undisclosed location, the boys received an education and rehabilitation, and both made good progress, though both did suffer from PTSD. In June of 2001, after a parole hearing that lasted six months, both boys were determined to no longer be a threat to the public, and they were released. They were given new identities, 
an injunction, e- an injunction even put on the press to keep their identities private and given rules to follow. Robert Thompson seemed to follow these rules because there's no record of him after his release and the new identity. John, however, started drinking, abusing drugs, and getting into legal trouble for possession of child pornography on multiple occasions. His identity was revealed a few times, and the process had to be started all over again, each time costing the country a large sum of money. To this day, England protects the identity of these child murderers out of fear of their safety. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on February 13th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.